0: Chapter 9, verses 23 to 27. I'm reading from the NIV, and but any, any version that you read along with should be fine. Then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. So as I was reading this passage and thinking about it, um, a few things kind of jumped up at me. Uh, Jumped out, really. Uh, One of these things is that there are all these if-then clauses. Uh, If someone wants to follow after me. If someone wants to save their life. These are are both if-then kinds of questions. And it's interesting how much there's an if, but then with the if, there's something else that has to happen. If you want to follow, then you have to deny yourself, and you have to take up your cross every day, and you have to follow Christ. If you want to save your life, you will lose it. And it is an interesting thing to think about, what do we really want? If you want to follow Christ, or if you want to save your life. And... I think the the two things that really struck me about this is that we sometimes think about following Christ as if the things that come with following him are, are optional, that there is a way to follow Christ without denying ourselves, without taking up our cross every day, and without following him um, in all that it means. Follow him. But actually, what Jesus is saying to us today is that there is no way to follow him that doesn't involve denying ourselves and taking up our cross every day and following him. To really follow him, we have to be willing to deny ourselves and to take up our cross every day. And one of the interesting things about this is that I think the other gospel writers, if my memory is correct, don't actually say pick up your cross every day. They just say pick up your cross. But Luke here, he adds this to help us remember that actually it's not just a one-time thing. We can't just deny ourselves once. We can't just pick up a cross once. But Jesus is getting at something that's a little bit more metaphorical because obviously you can only be crucified once. It's a, it's a one-time event, crucifixion. Um, but picking up a cross every day, that is not necessarily a one-time event. And, you know, there's lots of different ways we could have to deny ourselves today. We might need to deny ourselves from sin, or we might be fasting today, and we might need to deny ourselves from food, or, you know, maybe we'll be staying up late or getting up early in prayer. And so we'll be uh, denying ourselves that little extra rest. But whatever it is that we are denying ourselves, one thing that I think picking up our cross can also mean is, is actually forgiving people because this is what Christ went to the cross to do. He went to the cross to bring forgiveness to us, and all of us have been forgiven from so many things in such dramatic ways that actually, one thing that a lot of us will have to do in an in a day by day basis is forgive as we have been forgiven, and forgiveness is hard. Forgiving other people is difficult, um, and when we are sharing our lives and when we're following Christ in the world forgiving might be a very mundane thing but it could also be a very miraculous thing to be a person who follows Christ and being a person of forgiveness but i think it's also worth noting what kind of jumped out to me as i as i thought about this passage as i woke up in the morning I felt like the Spirit just really illumined something and I just realized how much Jesus understands why we might resist wanting to pick up our cross because he knows that our inclination is to want to save our lives. He knows why it's hard for us to pick up the cross because we want to have success in this world and that's why he says, you know... If you want to save your life, you actually have to lose it. And it's even stronger in in another translation. It could say, destroy it. And whoever destroys their life for me will save it. And he just points out that actually we could gain the entire world, but still lose and destroy our very self. And that the success that he's promising is actually a success that goes far beyond just this life. If we... In a paradoxical way, if we don't take up the cross and deny ourselves and follow Christ, even though our lives may be entirely successful and achieve the greatest possible outcomes that this world has to offer, we will still end up losing what's most important to us, our life itself. And he also knows that one reason we don't want to pick up a cross is because it's shameful it's shameful it's shameful sometimes to live the Christian life and to follow in the footsteps of Christ, but Jesus comes and he promises us the amazing encouragement of not just of not just eternal life but of eternal honor and glory with him, and so he says whoever is ashamed of him he will be ashamed of and so he's trying to encourage us don't don't fall to the shame because I have the promise of great glory and victory when I come and so Jesus is reminding us here that actually not only is he offering us eternal life but he's offering us a share of his eternal glory because it is the glory that's not just his but the glory of the Father the Holy Spirit and even the angels have this glory and it is a glory that if we, if we become a disciple, if we take up our cross every day and follow him, we'll be ours as well. As long as we don't try to save our life and as long as we aren't ashamed of Christ and his words. But then Jesus knows one last thing. And that is that one reason it can be hard to take up a cross and follow him is because we're not sure is this is this really going to happen? Is this kingdom of God really going to come about? Are all of these promises of eternal life and eternal glory are they just are they just empty promises? But no, Jesus says there are people standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And there are three we, ways I think this happened. The first way is that people saw Jesus Christ. Risen from the dead, and each one of the disciples and the many Marys and uh Jesus' mother included among them and the and the different people who saw Jesus Christ risen from the dead, one of the amazing things is that that is the kingdom of god a uh, a kingdom of God where were to to save not just his life but all of our lives Jesus destroyed it and who wasn't ashamed of doing the will of the father even though it cost him everything but also he's about to take it up Peter, James and John in the next passage up the mountain uh, to see the transfiguration and there is Moses and Elijah and Moses he died and yet was still alive on this mountain. And yet there was also Elijah who risked his life to to boldly proclaim the prophecies of the Lord. And even though his life was often in peril, he never lost it. In fact, he was caught up into heaven in chariots of fire. And so there is the kingdom of God and the promises that God is giving us today there on the mountain of transfiguration. And finally, in the book of Revelation, John tells us that he saw the the kingdom of God come in all of the different aspects of visions of heaven and of the new creation. And by reading the witnesses to these things, reading the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Gospels, the book of Revelation, we actually get to have a share and there and may if Jesus returns quickly we may in fact not perish before we see him come in his kingdom amen